Black joy and bootstraps The podcast that you really need Helping my black community Good vibes, good energy Black joy and bootstraps Top financial literacy Love and education Wanna see my people elevated yeah. Welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez, and today I have the honorable, the beautiful Judge Tina Whitfield with us. Can you say hey for the folks? Hey, everybody, and that was quite an introduction. Listen, you're going to live up to it. I need to tell y'all that I have been stalking, don't don't tell nobody, but I have been like fangirling slash stalking um, Judge Whitfield uh, for... A few years now, like I love, (laughs) I just love her so much. Like her online presence is just phenomenal and everything that she does for our community is phenomenal. So I wanted to talk about quite a few things today with her. Uh, And one of them, really, I just want to talk about her job as a judge, what that looked like, how she got there. Uh, And she's been doing some pretty amazing things with COVID cases Uh, as far as evictions and things like that go. So I just want us to have the whole scoop as to what the life of a judge looks like right now, because it is chaotic and hectic. She did a whole wedding this morning though, right? Was that a beautiful thing to do? It's always beautiful to do weddings. And I've done three today. Oh, okay. I said one. Let me go back up. She did three today. Okay. (laughs) Maybe folks is getting married during COVID. They ain't playing. It's bringing some realization. Like, look, let's go and do this. Right. So, okay. So let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Cause you know, without my stock and I feel like I know quite a bit, but for the folks who haven't stocked you yet, can you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, like you said, I am Katina Whitfield. I am a mother of two. I still say babies, but they're adults. I have a son in college. He's a sophomore at Texas Tech right now. And I'm always so much. babies. Do not tell him I said I miss him. <laughs> so, <laughs> I ain't gonna say nothing. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then I have a second son. Um, he'll be 23 in December, but of course, he's still my baby too. So, yes. It's like no matter what, they always gonna be babies. Like, I, I look at the kids that I taught that are now, like, well, I started teaching four years ago, and some mm-hmm. of them are grown, you know, like they're, I mean, some of them right. were 18 when I started teaching them. So they're grown, grown. And I'm still like, you still my baby. You still going to be my baby. So, right. you know, that's just how it's always going to be. So <laughs> I get I understand it. that feeling. Trust me. I get it. Um, so tell us what led you to this profession? Like what, what made you want to be a judge? Um, I've been wanting, I wanted to be a judge when I was a kid. I knew it when I was about eight or nine. Really? And uh, yeah. And it's a funny story. When I field trip to a courthouse. And the judge of all of the students there, she let me sit on the bench and put on her robe. Wow. And the reason why I think that she let me do that is because when I was in elementary, I got bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that she saw that. And that's wow. the reason why she picked me to be the one to, who could sit on the bench with her and bang the gavel and those types of things. Uh, and I decided then... Like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. I want to be a judge, you know. I love it. And she told me that I would be one. Um, but, you know, as years go by, things change. No, I don't want to be a singer. <laughs> I want to be in that. Yeah. So, but deep down, it's always been, you know, we used to play court. My sister Chrissy and I, we, and we would get some of the people in the church to play with us and things like that. Like, we used to just play court. I'm a lawyer, she's a lawyer. And just little things like that. Um, but it was always embedded that I wanted to be a judge. Of course, like I said, sometimes, you, you know, the plan goes off course a little bit. But that's what it came back to. So eight or nine, you were like, this is it. Yep. So um, how long, just because, you know, I'll be getting off track and I'll be talking about everything. So how long were you a lawyer before you became a judge? I am so glad you asked need that okay I was never a lawyer what okay put me on because I didn't know that was a thing I thought legally you had to be a lawyer for x amount of time or whatever and then become a judge what so different courts has a different criteria to run for election the justice of the peace court you do you do not have to be a lawyer however 
it helps to have a legal background. I was a paralegal for 20 years. Yes, I wanted to be a lawyer when I um, graduated from college. Mm-hmm. I got pregnant with my oldest son. Um, well, I actually got you pregnant said, with him during, while I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of put law school on the back burner. Right. Uh, that is when I got a job. At, well, I held down multiple jobs at that time, mm-hmm. but one of them was a paralegal. Interesting. Um, Mm-hmm. And that was in civil litigation. And once I got back on track, about five years back on track, okay, now I'm going to take the LSAT, apply to law school. Mm-hmm. Boom. Jonathan comes along. So again, okay. plans derailed, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and it was like after Jonathan came along, I kind of lost focus because I just needed to make sure they were going to get through everything. Right. You know? Right. Um, so law school was not a priority anymore, but I did, uh, go back to school and I got certified. So I hold as a paralegal, I hold, um, AOP, that's accredited legal professional, okay. um, CRP certified registered paralegal. Um, and of course a certified paralegal. Mm-hmm. And these are all national exams okay. that uh, you would have to take to get those accreditations. Mm-hmm. So um, I did do that. And it's just something that I, it was at that point, it was no longer a job. It was my career. I had to, this is what I had to do. Yeah. Um, I started taking on extra roles as my kids got a little bit older and more independent. Okay. You know, um, at, so in 2017, 2016, 2017, this is a really nice story to me. Um, I was voted national. <clears throat> I won the award for national paralegal of the year. Okay. And I'm only the third paralegal in Dallas County to ever win that award. Come on, man. Listen, y'all, do y'all understand now why I be stalking her on Facebook like this? Do y'all understand why I be fangirling like this? Like just all the excellence. Oh, okay. Let me, let me stop interrupting. Uh, I was like <laughs> I really, 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 really surprised Mm -hmm. i wasn't even at the convention and a lot of the ladies uh, or a lot of the members of the dallas area paralegal association didn't know who i was you know Mm -hmm. and one of the things that the incoming president at the time her name was kelly what she said to me was nobody has to know who you are to know how well or how respected you are and how well you work wow and you know and that 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 really touched me because you know, at a lot at, at those times, people were just like, "We never heard of her, so she can't be that good." You know? Yeah, of course. And it was, it was you know, a little discouraging. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know. It was a group of attorneys that I worked for at the time that wrote the um, nomination letters for me. And I did. I still only know one of the attorneys today who it was. They never told me who wrote the nomination letters. Um. I was the chair of ethics and professional responsibility for the National Federation of Paralegal Associations. She's from 2015 through the time that I was elected until I took office. Okay. Um, January 1st, 2019. Um, I was the chair of the pro bono section for the Dallas Area Paralegal Association. Um, I was the one of the assistant directors for the Secretary of I'm sorry, State Bar of Texas Paralegal Division. And I was the president of the J.L. Turner Legal Association Paralegal Section. And that was important because J.L. Turner, J.L. Turner is the African-American Bar Association. Okay. So it's really important that um, people know who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I want to stress to people who um, have not gone to law school because of the cost when one of the things that that bothered me was that I couldn't afford it yeah but I didn't know all the resources that were available nobody that's that's so typical yes like nobody it was not until I joined J.L. Turner when I started seeing Mm -hmm. that all of these resources were available to the single mothers to the minorities to all you know who thought that there was no way Mm -hmm. to be able to pay 
for law school or to, you know, further your career. Yep. I, um, I think that this is so extremely typical. And I say it's typical because we don't know what we don't know. And I think I say that every episode. We don't know what we don't know. So we're sitting mm-hmm. here and we're like, oh, we could do this, right? But right. how? Like, where do we even begin? And far too often, like, we don't even have the resources. We don't even know. You know how you don't even know what to ask when you don't know what it is you don't know? You know? <laughs> like, right. you're just like, right. I don't even know where to go or who to look at or who to look for, right. what to Google, like, because you just don't know. And so then, I mean, I mean, thank God, like some, like an opportunity opened up and you see these resources. And now, you know, we have the woman that I voted for in 2018. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just uh, like, that's crazy to me, but it's, it's such a blessing from God because that is, that is the reason why I do this podcast because we, we just don't know, you know, and, and a lot of people will be listening and be like, what you mean? I knew that, you know, and I'm like, well, I didn't because yeah, well, every well, podcast I, I learned, right. yeah, I learned something new every podcast that I do. I'm like, look, there was no way that I was going to know that. So, um, that's, that's really incredible. So yeah, with the justice court, and, and, but I say it's important to have a legal background. I say that for a reason, just because, um, it doesn't require you to be yeah. a lawyer. The cases are not um, any less complicated than the mm-hmm. county court, the you know the district court, any other court. Um, the justice of the peace court is you know we're, we deal with just as much. We actually have more cases oh, wow. than any other courts in the county. You know, um, yeah. So it is important that you have a legal background because, and this, I've seen this a lot, and it's funny because attorneys take a different turn when they're dealing with me. You get an attorney in there who's a hot shot and who's going to type mm. circles around these judges who have not had mm-hmm. any type of legal training. You know, only training they've had is, you know, the Justice Court Training Center in Austin where we, we go to, to do mm-hmm. our um, training when we're first elected. Um, and, but that's the extent of it. So you'll get some of these attorneys that'll come here and just throw out statutes and mm-hmm. throw out cases and you know and they'll talk circles around new judges because the they're banking on the fact that you're ignorant and right? that's the reason mm-hmm. they're banking that you don't know right and that is the reason why I think it's important because um, it it happened a lot mm-hmm. maybe my first six yeah. months. <laughs> Only for them to be like, oh, wait. Oh, she knows her stuff. She oh, knows. Okay, I'm not going to be able to do that here. Okay. So, yes. Yes. Or she knows exactly where to find mm-hmm. it. And she knows how this is Question about that. You know. Do you feel so that, like, mm-hmm. as a black woman sitting there, right, like in front of everybody, do you feel like that happened to you more or like than other people? Do you feel like they would have treated, say, like a white male judge the exact same way? Did you feel like it was like, oh, just because I'm new? Or do you feel like, again, just sitting there as a black woman that that was, you know, you were treated differently because of that or? Yeah. Absolutely. And the the reason um, I can say that is because I've been told that, you know, there, oh yeah, there have been people coming in. um, Mm -hmm. It's faded a lot since COVID, but it was very... It, it was at least once or twice a week uh, where I would have people to come in and let me know that they did not mm. support me, mm. that they didn't vote for me. Oh, they in real yeah, bold yes. in this here age of Trump. And they, they really, <laughs> they ain't playing. Okay. okay. We just keep okay. learning about these folks. And I do, right. And I do the best that I can to maintain my professionalism because that that mm-hmm. is more of a nice And it's what we always just, have you know, to do. We always have and to so do it, know, right? Instead of letting them know how yeah. you feel, too. Yeah. Oh, anyway. <laughs> and and I, I just, you know, it's been time, and mm-hmm. I, I pretty much yeah. have a script now. <laughs> I just smile at them and tell them, you know, I'm sorry I didn't earn your vote. Oh, oh, come on then. Yes. Won. Oh, it looks like I'm still here. That's crazy. You know, Without your vote. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, without it so i'm sorry i didn't earn oh this it, is why i love us <laughs> yes i didn't really need it so and that's as professional as i yes. can be about it you know 
I feel like, it, and, and I would also thank them for taking their time, yeah. taking the time out of their day <laughs> to come to visit me, to let me know that, you know, I have an open door policy and I really do appreciate you taking the time out to come to visit me, even yes. if it was just to say yes. what you said, but you did come oh my to visit. So, um, but there, there have been times where, um, uh, I've been told in court or I've read messages, um, where, past administrations have told their friends you don't have to respect mm-hmm. her you know you things like that and it and and it shows there's a certain type of person that comes in the court and I know for a fact right um, by their behavior by their demeanor by mm-hmm. their body language by their tone that I, they don't of feel course. like I should have any authority and I don't mm-hmm. take it personally again you know I never do you better um, than me they don't know anything about me. And I, well, I just feel like if you put my color and, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that I'm a woman, if you put that over yeah. your well being, that's your problem. You know, that is not my problem. Yeah. I'm going to do what I have to do. Like I said, I, I'm not going to disrespect anybody, right. but you're not going to disrespect me. You know, um, when you leave here, whether I ruled in your favor or not, you're going right. to still leave here with some dignity. You're going to know that I did hear everything that you had to say, and I've taken it all into consideration. And the way that I conduct court is that I I am a quote-unquote oh, teaching it. court. <laughs> and in and where, you know, we have tenants, we have landlords, we have people that are filing suits, you know, small claims against each other. And it's a lot of pro se litigants. Pro se meaning that oh, they're not okay. represented by an attorney. You don't know you know, mm-hmm. I don't expect you to know what I know. I don't expect you to know how mm-hmm. the legal process works to a T. If you're not in, you know, this is confusing. It's complicated. Um, so when you come to my court, whether you are the landlord or you're the tenant, if there is something that you have a question about, if there is something that, um, let's just say I do a lot of eviction cases. You know, the the property code calls for notices to mm-hmm. vacate to be delivered a certain way. And they have to have a certain type of language. Well, you have these landlords who are just, you know, not in the business. They're not apartments or multifamily. They have one house that yes. they're renting to somebody and they mm-hmm. don't know that this is the way. Okay, you've been a landlord. Mm-hmm. You need to know these things. Here is a copy of the property code that discusses the notice to vacate. Here you go. Moving forward, this is how you need to follow the steps in order to, you know, because I dismiss the case if it's not followed by, you know, if yeah. it's not following the code. Um, and it's nothing that you just didn't right. know because you're not a lawyer. Here's where you can find those things in the property code. It's set forth to protect mm-hmm. you as a landlord and you as a tenant. And then when I have the tenants who say, well, I didn't pay rent because um, I've been asking them to fix my refrigerator or I've been asking them to do this and they haven't done it the same thing yeah. okay let me explain that section 31 of your lease explains your rights as a tenant for repairing remedies and here it is in the property code make a copy give it to them you know and i'll explain what their rights are you know unfortunately you cannot withhold rent but you can take up to one month's rent to have those repairs made <sighs> and give the receipt to the landlord you know yes. like that's how you do those this is how you address it moving forward as a tenant you know so that's the way like and, and it, it happens um, mm-hmm. eviction court with a small claims. We have self-help packets when you're ready to file a claim or if you're sued, there's a self-help packet that we give you and it goes through every single scenario. It goes through, you know, we have the phone of legal aid. Right. Of course, we don't give out legal advice. <laughs> you cannot do that. But it has all the resources there to help you as a pro se litigant because that's, a lot of times they don't feel like they get justice because they're not lawyers and they, they drop the ball somewhere. Or something fell through the cracks, you know. And I don't think it's fair if one party is, you know, being taken advantage of just because they don't know. And that's what mm-hmm. I see a lot in, you know, like the multifamily or the apartment complexes when they are filing these suits against their tenant. You know, of course they know. That is something that I feel well, like is... is su- and that's actually something I've heard my entire life. Like when you said... Like, that really struck me because I've heard that my entire life when people say, well, my landlord, 
you know, he ain't this and that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to withhold this amount. You know, he, I, he ain't getting no damn rent till this. Right. And so, I mean, just to hear you say that, mm -hmm. I was like, damn, I didn't even know that was illegal because I heard that my whole life. <laughs> like, shit, it started making me feel like you can do right. that. Like, you know, it felt empowering to keep that, uh, <laughs> to keep that rent check. So that's interesting. Like right. that, and I was like, okay, that's really eye-opening for me um, to be able to learn that, you know. And that would be, naturally, that's what you think. That you, like, I pay for yes. a roof right. over my head, for running water, for working, you know, so you would think. That if you're not going to repair right. these things, I'm not going to pay you for it. So that's just mm -hmm. a natural reaction from anybody. But it's not me. the legal reaction. Um, but that's why I stress. Right. That's why I stress. It's important to read your And lease. so much of that, too, I think we realize, like, how much of the legality is set to protect again, those in power, like, because if you're a landlord and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing now, I know you can't like, I don't know if you can or can I have an opinion on that, but like if you're a landlord and you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you are, I mean, that's kind of an abusive relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe your tenants don't have running water mm -hmm. or something is not working that they need and you're not fixing that. They still mm -hmm. can't withhold, like you still have to be paid in the meantime. Now, obviously there are things, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. But I, I just feel like at the end of the day, I always see that, that it kind of leans, I mean, not kind of, that it leans heavily towards the one that has the most power. But mm -hmm. what I'm learning is that we have yeah. a lot more power than we think. And that's what's kind of blowing my mind is like we we right. we like we in there. We're getting a lot more information and we're learning. And baby, Twitter is a black Twitter especially is a gold mine of knowledge. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I be in here learning. Like I'm like, yo, I could pass yes. this LSAT right now with the way folks be. <laughs> Let me stop playing. Let me stop playing. But I really be on there like learning some stuff, like like lawyers and doctors and all of these people just put out free game on Twitter all the time. And I'm like, that is incredible. So you kind of segued like perfectly into the next thing because we are dealing with, oh my gosh, the horrible pandemic right now that is laying people off, that yeah. is getting people sick. I mean, yep. we have so much going on. And yep. when I saw you make the news about, you know, the judge uh, helps with COVID, ev like evictions during COVID, we've got all these people that are out of work right now. Um, and so I just wanted to like, have you talk a little bit mm -hmm. about that. Like you worked with victims that were being evicted due to COVID. What was that like? What was the process? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Um, whew, that, um, it's emotional. I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. You I know, because yeah. And, and the reason why is I do understand both sides, mm -hmm. the landlord, you, you have a business to run, or mm -hmm. if you're an independent landlord, you still have to pay a mortgage on that house, maybe right. HOA fees, you know, um, as the tenant, you've done the best that you could. And it is not your fault that you were laid off or hours were cut or mm -hmm. whatever. However, COVID impacted you. Um, that's why I was really glad when the CARES Act came about. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that I do give out in court, and this is for anybody, there are, there's never a story that's exactly like one you've already heard. Never. Mm -hmm. um, so each case so is I like have, its own fingerprint. It is, yes. And um, I have, because of that, I've built up several different resource packets depending on your situation. When you tell me that there's a financial crisis, I have a packet, it's about five pages, um, that has charities, nonprofits, you know, in the county that will help people in this precinct or certain zip codes, you know, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people I hear think you have to go to the city. And they don't have anything to help me. No, okay. there are a lot of resources and you just have to reach out to them. You know, you have to do the legwork. And I, I don't ask them for everything in court. Like, you don't have to disclose it to me. You mm -hmm. you do not have to put any of your personal business out there. That's one of the things I say. You, you leave with dignity, you know. Um, but when you do contact these people, you're going to have to tell them what's going on with you so they can figure out the best way to help you. So we have the financial um, resource packet that we give out for, for those people who are, have lost income for some reason. Then I have one um, where we partner with Texas Workforce. 
where we help with job placement within the county for somebody who just lost their job and qualifies for one of the positions that the county has open. So when we hear stories like that, you know, I have that plus the financial resource until you get back on your feet, reach out to these people. And I always say, whatever you're taking out of your rent money to pay, they can help you, whether it's utilities, food, gas, Mm -hmm. Let them help you with that. Mm-hmm. You don't okay. want to spend any of your rent money. You know, that's the hardest thing to get assistance with mm-hmm. is rent. Um, so let them help you take care of everything else and you're saving up for your rent. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and this is one that, this was one of actually the first packets that I put together was a packet of um, counselors because we have cases where there's a loss in the family, a death or something tragic has happened. And this is what's caused this person to be uh, so far behind, or this person went into a deep depression, a deep depression, and they just didn't have the energy to get up and go to the lease and office and tell them I can't pay or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have these packet with grief counselors and we'll give that to somebody and reach out to them. And then I really try to uh, convince the landlords and the tenants to negotiate but when the CARES Act came out, a little of that pressure came off of me to try to figure out how to satisfy both parties. Mm-hmm. We don't want anybody on the streets. Everybody you, knows that. Can you tell us a little bit like what the CARES Act um, like entails so that we can kind of be up to speed on that, too? Because I know it had a lot to do with like evictions. Um, mm-hmm. And there was another part. I cannot remember it right now, but there was like a there was another part of it. Well, so the CARES Act was it was a relief packet, mm-hmm. not to relieve you of any payments that you owe, mm-hmm. but it was um, what it was designed to do was give you time to bounce back and make up for those payments, you know, um, because the federal government, if you were, if your mortgage or your loan was backed by a federal program like Fannie Mae or, you know, mm-hmm. um, something like that, then they gave those owners some relief where they either delayed payments, deferred payments or something like That's that. That's what it was. And what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what it was supposed to happen, it was supposed to give those, they were supposed to turn around and give that same relief to tenants. Yep. 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 Cause I was like, I, I was going to say school loans. Was that, part, that was part of it, right? Like the, was yes. that part of it or was that, okay. Cause I was like, all of our loans were deferred to like, I think it was October and then they extended it to December or September, something like that. And then it was mm-hmm. extended until December 31st. So I was like, I knew there was another part, but I know if it was exactly part of that. So I know there's always like this feeling of, I could have done more. I should have, or, you know, the government could have done more, whatever it is. But do you feel like it was enough help? Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Plenty of sense. Um, I don't know. Okay. I do not feel like it because in the end, um, it wasn't any help. It was delaying the inevitable, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the things, like I said before, I've said it a billion times. I would much rather see somebody when they are a month or two behind on their rent Mm -hmm. instead of six or seven months Mm. because it's so much, it's going to be so much harder for me to find them the resources to help them get caught up. Yeah. If I know earlier, that's, that's better, you know? Yeah. So that's the reason why I didn't think that it helped too much. I think that it, it bought people time, but it didn't offer any assistance. It didn't tell them, you know, what you can do next or it didn't offer the resources to help them. It just, you know, it delayed the inevitable, basically, yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, so instead of, like, ripping off the Band-Aid, it was just... Yeah. Like, just little by little. Yeah. Little by little, that. yeah. That's, that's tough. Okay, so I was thinking, because we are hot in the middle of campaigning and elections and all of that, what was that like for you? Like, what was... Um, those moments, I, I want to know, girl, I want to know it all. Like the, <laughs> the stress of like, okay, I got to get these flyers out and putting out the billboards and the, the, um, the signs and, you know, knocking doors, phone banking, whatever it is that you did, because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, we're hot in the middle of that right now. So tell us a little bit about your experience with that. What was that like? Um, it was hectic. It was at times discouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
of course it was expensive. Yeah. Um, but when the thing about it is when you have explained the plan mm -hmm. and people feel like you are sincere and genuine with yeah. what you say you're going to do, you know, because a lot of people make promises during the election of course. or during the campaigning season. Um, but you have to have a plan to back it up. Yeah. And I'm big on that. When you mm -hmm. tell me you're going to do something, if you're a candidate and you, you oh, I'm going to cut property taxes and I'm going to do, no, mm -hmm. you're going to tell me how. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, how do you plan on doing that? And if you can't actually answer that realistically, then I know that you're just telling me what I want to hear. Right. You know, what you think the hot button issue is for me. Um, that was one of the things that made it a lot easier for me to talk to people mm -hmm. is because I knew what I wanted to do okay. and I knew how I was going to try to do it. Um, so that was the easy part. And that was the funnest part, actually getting out there and meeting people face to face and for them to actually get an idea of who I was, what I stood for, whether they agreed with it or not would, you know, that would be their decision at the end of the day. Yes. But, um, it was it was a little hectic and oh my gosh, the voting though, oh. early voting and campaign. So we our polling place mm -hmm. here at Lakeside, we had about fifty different polling locations in the precinct. But a lot of my time, a majority, maybe eighty percent of my time was spent at that particular polling place. Okay, that's Lakeside what I just Activity voted. Center. Mm -hmm. what, I don't know if you voted there in twenty eighteen, but there was every day the news was out there for voter suppression issues. Oh. Um, it was really ugly. It was really, really ugly. Um, at the time, my opponent and some other people out there, they, they had the camera in their face every day because there was a report of voter suppression. And it was, it was evident. It was obvious. The um, constable who was up for re-election, he had a German shepherd out there with a t-shirt on that had his logo. Wow. And he had a a van or a sorry SUV. His personal SUV was there, and it was wrapped, and it said something about um, Dallas County Constable Warrant Division or something, you know. Hmm, mm -hmm. And some people, I don't know who those people are, mm -hmm. <laughs> but some people would just think, oh, that's his company car. Oh, that's just innocent. He has a dog out here. Hi, you know. Yeah. But we, as black people, we know the history of German Shepherds. And Come on people. now. Come on now. You know. We know that you might as well just have a water hose. Personal, exactly. <laughs> you like, have this personal vehicle with mm -hmm. warrant division on it. Mm -hmm. But we don't have a warrant division for the constable's office. Come on. And this is not a county car. It's your personal car, you know. Mm -hmm. So there were things like that that was going on. Um, but it made me so proud when those people, when we still had people come up and didn't care. And we beat know? them. Like, that's the and best we part. Them. We beat you. Oh, yes. And we did not have to do any of the, the sleazy, low-down, you know. Mm -hmm. Tactics, yes, that y'all used. That we didn't right. do that at all. I love it. God. Right. There and it was State Representative Victoria Niave at the time. She was um, up for re-election as well. I just voted for and her. Thank you. <laughs> but um, her opponent at the time said something so ugly about her. And we were standing right there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like we were standing right there. And her opponent was talking to a voter and said some of the ugliest things. But mm -hmm. I'm looking at Victoria like, you're going to just go later. Like, girl, we can square up right now. We can do this. <laughs> right. Like, we got so much. Come on, Victoria, let's do this. She just, she looked at me and she smiled and she said, they're not listening to her. Just let her talk. It don't matter. Let her talk. You know. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I said, Victoria is living that when they go low, we go high. Because I'm like, look. Out there I've with all the high. yes, out there with <laughs> yes. all the Michelle Obama glow. Okay, boo, cause yes, woo. but I was just like Victoria. I have never been high. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm not gonna <laughs> go that high with somebody. And I didn't know how she could just stand there yeah. and and allow that, but she did, and mm -hmm. she blew the brakes off this woman. Good, with, you know. And I voted for her then. Like, voted for her now. So yeah, <laughs> like. And, and that's the beauty because I've been following y'all this, this whole time and watching, just like you said, the promises that you made during election, you know, and the things that, I mean, during campaigning and the things that y'all said, and I've been pleased with those things, you know, so, and I'm Thank grateful you. to be able to cast a vote for somebody as 
as graceful as y'all, you know? And so anyway, that, that was a blessing for me. You know, my daughter loves to go voting with us. She does it every two or four years. She loves it. She's like, I voted. She goes home. I mean, you know, goes to school. Tells her teacher, yes, I got my (laughs) sticker. I voted yesterday, you know? Um, And so I I love that. I love being able to bring up that that next generation and know like your, your voice matters. You know, this is how we make changes. And so. Right. I love right. that. One of the things I'm really proud of is that I am the first woman, the first minority, and the first Democrat to be elected here in Precinct 2 to represent Mesquite, Garland, Raleigh, Sunnyvale, East Dallas, South Wiley. Um, and this has, this yes. precinct was formed 28 years ago. Yes. So <laughs> in Listen. that time, there's never been a woman or a minority or a Democrat. Oh my gosh. So that's three changes that were made on November 3rd. Oh, I love it. I love it. Like, and that's, I'm telling y'all, this had to have her on because I was like, oh, this woman just embodies all of the black excellence that I just love it. Like, it just makes me so happy. So that's a lot. And for those of you who don't know about the demographics of all those places that she named, uh it's a big deal (laughs) like it's a big deal that she um got the votes that she was elected I mean that's beautiful and my entire family voted for her listen we weren't playing no games we saw that black woman we saw that um flyer that they came around we were like oh I know you lying absolutely let me just go and put this vote (laughs) and she had her family campaigning for her y'all and so we were like well tell us a little bit you know, about uh, Judge Whitfield and they just, I mean, they sold her. You have some incredible family and they Thank you. They yeah. sold us, baby. Uh, I was looking at the news and I think it was it 2018 as well and was it Harris County where like the 19 black female judges were elected? Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. Like when I, I could not share that enough. Do you hear me? I think I shared that every day for like, <laughs> like it was so ridiculous. But I was so, I, I say this all the time. You, I am a firm believer and far too often you cannot be what you cannot see. And seeing those women, 19 of them in every different shade of black and brown, all them black women. Right. Yep. Just, and I was like, I would love, listen, and Harris County, baby, they showing out at the polls right now. Do you hear me? Those folks are not, they are breaking records every single day. And Houston has been dubbed the number one, more diverse than New York City. Houston. I didn't know that. Yes. I just saw it the other day that they are more diverse. I was like, this is crazy to me. So I was like, listen, I hope all that diversity and all of that matches. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That that they are getting to the polls uh, and that is matching Mm -hmm. it. That they are like basking in that diversity that that city has become. And so with that, I wanted to say this, this last thing. What is a case where you feel like you didn't see justice. That's my last thing because, or second to last, but I want to know what's a case where you feel like you, I don't know, like you wish you had done things differently or maybe things had gone differently for, uh, is it the defendant? Is that right? Yeah. Um, there was a case not too long ago. It was a small claims case and it was actually a hospital that filed uh, a lawsuit against a couple in the amount of roughly $4,000. Okay. And I just, I felt really bad because legally, legally I had to rule in favor of the hospital. Okay. But I was thinking if this man didn't have $4,000 when he was extremely sick about this, I think he was hospitalized in 2015. Um, he didn't have any insurance at the time. He did, does not have any insurance right now. And he and his wife came into court with nothing. They had absolutely nothing. No past bills, nothing to negotiate with or anything. Wow. And the hospital was represented by an attorney. Um, the original amount was around $15,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, 
once I splashed some of the fees that were being paid or that were being charged or whatever, we got it down to about 4000 And that's what the judgment was for. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that that was so unfair because, you know, that man can't afford it. That yeah. family mm-hmm. could not afford I don't care if it was $200. If he didn't have it, he didn't have it, you mm-hmm. know? And it's sad to actually think that you could be sick and just not have the funds to pay it. And the hospital turns around and sues you for it. Yep. That is the first time I've ever seen that happen. And it just really bothered me. Mm-hmm. It just really bothered me. And, and I thought to myself, if they would come after me for that $66, I owe them. Yeah. <laughs> we go at it in court. Absolutely. You know, but, and, and I just bothered me so much because now you know you have this man that's recovering from a serious ailment and on top of that he has this four thousand dollar judgment on his credit and they're going to come after him for the payment Mm -hmm. if they filed the lawsuit and they actually went through with it they're going to do what they have to do whether it's garnishing his wages or whatever but they're going to get their money from him and i just felt so bad about that i didn't think that um i did I had a legal obligation to follow the law. I just didn't think that it was justice for him. I don't think it was. Um, I just don't. And and not that I could have a personal opinion or anything, but I don't think justice was served in this instance. You know, I I hate those moments where you walk out, walk away, going something that that should have had a different outcome. You know, mm-hmm. even as a teacher, I have those moments where I'm like that shouldn't that should not have happened you know even when Mm -hmm. we're dealing with disciplinary things with kids and I'm like there's no way like that did not fit this that was not fair that was not justified you know so I I feel that just yeah I completely get that completely get that um my last question for you so if your career could be highlighted by one thing or one case you've done what or which would you want it to be if you said, this is the one, I can die happy now knowing that I can be remembered like this, from this case or this, whatever thing you've done, um, especially, you know, for change in these areas, whatever, whatever it is, what would it be? Uh, can I pick two? <laughs> yes. Okay. Go ahead, please. Like, you know what? I got to um, scroll. I got to scroll up this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's actually only two um, that I am really proud of that I felt like, wow, I made a difference here. Or mm-hmm. somebody, you know, somebody now knows that I'm I'm fair. Mm-hmm. Somebody knows that I'm going to do the right thing. Um, the first thing was when I first got elected a month after I took the bench, I had an eviction case before me. The, the young lady was 23 years old. She lived in this apartment and she was 20. Mm-hmm. Three years, never been laid on the ramp. She had a daughter who was also three. So her daughter was born while she lived there. Um, she was taking a bowl into the kitchen. Her little girl was. She tripped and fell. The bowl broke. And the glass cut her neck and she died. Oh, my gosh. Oh, how tragic. So it was really tragic. So um, there are certain questions that I ask each party before we even begin. You know, I ask the landlord, what's the past you rent, blah, blah, blah. And I go to the defendant and I ask, you know, the tenant, do you dispute the amount that's owed? And she said to me, I dispute the eviction as a whole. And I said, well, why? And when I said, well, why? It was that moment. It was like she just walked into that kitchen again. You know, the wound was still fresh. She cried so hard and she explained. She says, you know, I didn't, I didn't, skip out. I went and asked them to move me to a different apartment. They said, no, we'll clean up. We'll send the cleaning crew to clean up the blood. Wow. And she said, I cannot stay there. You know, the whole time mm-hmm. I've been there, I've been with my daughter. I can't stay there. Mm-hmm. Just move me to a different apartment. They refused to do it. So she left the apartment with nothing. She didn't take clothes, anything. Um, her brother and father went over and dumped all of her things 
like she asked him to just throw everything in the dumpster. She yeah. didn't want to see anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went back to the apartment management and I said, did you know of the situation? And she was pregnant. The the agent that was there representing the apartment, she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And she was in tears. Like my bailiff was in tears, you know, because yeah. like I'm telling you, this was fresh to this woman. And yes. I see, you know, it had to be. And so um, she said, yeah, I knew. Um, and I told her, I can't get this eviction, you know. I said, we have to think about her well-being and her, you know, it wasn't safe for her to be there anyway, mm-hmm. you know. So I dismissed the case. And that was that. I, I asked this young, this is the first time I thought we need to find her a grief counselor. Yeah. That's what made me put a packet together for a grief counselor. I called a recess. I called um, a lady at Sharing Life Community Outreach, and she gave me the name and phone number to a grief counselor, wow. which I turned around and sent to this lady. You know, I went back out and I had the bailiff give it to her. I asked her to sit there and compose herself for a little while. I didn't want to drive it in that condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that. But the landlord stayed through the rest of my eviction docket. And now, again, this is my first month on the bench, so my docket took a lot longer than it does now. Uh, so she sat there for about two and a half hours, and I was just thinking, oh, my gosh, you're going to file an appeal. She's about to ask me something about an appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't. After it was over, she came and she said, you know, I knew you were going to dismiss that case. We never file here. We usually file in the Garland Court. She said, but... That's the reason why we filed the garlic courts because we always win. Wow. We were told, we were told that you're going to hear both sides. That's why I filed here because I knew you were not going to let us put an eviction on her credit. Wow, what a testament of your character that they knew and, they wanted to do what was right in the end. Wow. Yes, and that's wow. what she said. I didn't want to do. I didn't want to file eviction, but I had to, so mm-hmm. I chose your court to do it because I knew you were going to hear what happened, and that made me feel so good to hear mm-hmm. that. You know. And um, I think about that all the time. So, and I really wonder how she's doing, you know, but mm-hmm. um, anyway, and that the second is, thing. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, because that there's nothing, tears in my eyes again. So. <laughs> because there's nothing that's going to bring that back, you know, bring her daughter back. But the fact that you can have justice in a moment like that, you know what I mean? That is, right. oh my goodness, or some kind of, right. yeah, that is, that's, that's tough, but. What again? What a testimony of your character. So the second thing, what you got? Um, the second thing was uh, when I first got in office, it was just too many cases. Mm-hmm. Like I had cases that it was the office was a maze. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are there so many back? This is ridiculous. Why are there so many cases here? You know, this is not normal. Um, I started looking at some of the cases and they were old, old, meaning that I had the, the oldest case I spotted at that time was from, uh, 1997 at Whoa. that time. Okay. Yes. So I started pulling some of these older cases and they were for mostly traffic citations or issuance of bad checks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, as I go through them, I'm seeing that this is not the defendant who didn't do what they're supposed to do. The court dropped the ball somewhere. Either they never came to you know, trial, there's a warrant. The person sometimes had already been to jail two or three times for this ticket, but they never withdrew the warrant. Uh, I mean, it was just so much. Yeah. I reached out to our new, newly elected DA at the time, Cruzo. I explained it to him. I said, hey, listen something's wrong here. You know, I'm looking at cases that are 20, 21 years old that the court never did anything with them. You know, I'm not prosecuting these. As I told, I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's not fair. Number one. Um, number two, if the officer still works for the county and we do have a, a court date, they come here and tell me they remember this ticket. I'm not going to believe them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nobody's memory is that good. Y'all need to stop playing. Right. And I just told him, you know, at this point, it's going to be too hard to and it's not fair, you know, in the interest of justice. You can't you you need to work with me and we need to I need the state to present motions to dismiss some of these cases. You know, he came out, he took a look. He's like, wow, judge, 
I'm supporting you. Whatever we need to do. What do you want to do? I said, I want to dismiss anything that's five years and older. He said, do it. Wow. Then he said, I, I wonder what the other courts look like. Mm-hmm. He went to all, every other court, the other nine JP courts. Same thing. Oh my God. Same thing that they never even knew. So we were withholding people's driver's license, you know, putting wow. blocks on because they couldn't. And, and it was all because the court didn't move these cases the way that they were supposed to be moved. Um, so I held night court for some of them for like the first six months I was on the bench. I was holding night court two nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, for some of these cases, so the civil trials that we had to get through, but for the misdemeanors, like the traffic tickets, the issuance of bad check, we got them, we did a mass dismissal. By the time we were done, by the time we were done, December, mm-hmm. this started in February, mm-hmm. done in December of um, 2019, 19, yep. <laughs> my court ended up dismissing over 100,000 cases with the, Whoa. the oldest one from 1947. Oh my gosh. That is incredible yes. to me. A hundred. Yes. So I thought you were going to say a thousand like, or not, yeah. I don't even think you were going to say that high actually. Wow. Nope, we, and people got up. their lives back. People like, got their lives back. Oh yeah. They were able to get tried. I mean, and I, I, people thank me um, all the time because I brought back payment plans. That was something mm-hmm. that the court wasn't doing payment plans, um, community service. You know, and another thing that court wasn't doing, I don't understand that. They wouldn't give you credit for time served. Like, does that make sense for somebody to go to jail for two years and come out and then can't do anything because you still have this parking in a fire lane ticket hanging over, you know? Right. Um, So that's another thing. And people are so grateful to have an opportunity to try to get their lives back on track. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you know who that adversely affects. Of course, it always affected when those. Exactly. Yeah. Black and brown communities always the most. And, you know, this is why I don't think people understand when we talk about those 19 black female judges in Harris County or period, like electing these DAs and these judges uh, on the local level. That is because we know that equity is going Mm -hmm. to be served, that justice, right, that we have a higher chance of justice and equity being served. I mean, the fact that you you don't even give people payment plans. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, wh- yes. What are you doing? You know what you're doing. Why am I even asking? It's completely rhetorical. But, like, I don't think we understand the importance of these local elections because 100,000 people, like 100,000 yep. cases. I, I just... That is it's, astonishing, it's an astonishing number, right? Yes, like that's overwhelming. <laughs> I'm like, how many people are even in the city of Mesquite alone? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking, yeah, like that is this is just unbelievable to me that many cases and to be able to. I, I see why that would be a highlight of your career, like, absolutely take that, put it in the Judge Hall of Fame, make sure that my picture <laughs> looks good, get my good angle, get my good side. <laughs> And make sure I got on my pearls. I need it all. Like, yes, that is. It was great because it was mentioned in uh, commissioner's court. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was mentioned by Commissioner Price and Commissioner Daniel that because of the effort, it brought light to the other JP courts and how this backlog had been taken over mm-hmm. and nobody knew what to do about it. But it, it changed our policies and the way, you know, our procedures, the way we handle things. We want to prevent that from ever happening again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that it it just made me feel like I made like wow, I made a difference that fast. You yeah. know, just because I called, reached out to DA and said, "Hey, I'm not doing this. This is not fair right. to the people." You know, we are creating victims all the way around when we're holding these people. You know, we're holding them hostage, basically. Oh yeah. Um, and they're freedom hostage. I mean, without a driver's license, then you're constantly in fear of of driving somewhere, yeah. getting caught, going to jail. I mean, yes. and again, we know, like you said, who that adversely affects. We know who, which communities are going to be affected most by these small yep. things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I cannot thank you enough for dropping these gems on us, for being um, a representative of our community, for being 
the epitome of black excellence and black girl magic and all of that good stuff um, because we need it. And we talk so much about how we don't get justice, right? Justice is not served. And mm-hmm. to be able to see someone that looks like us, that we feel, and, and that has a reputation of being fair, that people go to because they say, I know she'll be fair. I know she'll do the right thing, period, right? Like, yeah. that what, yeah. what an honor you're on, <laughs> right? <laughs> to, for yeah, that to be a better. thing. Yeah, and I I just thank everybody who gave me the opportunity to stand where I am and to be able to help as many people. I didn't imagine it was going to be as um, satisfying Mm -hmm. and fulfilling as it is, you know. But I was was that person before, you know, at the eviction table, you know, or talking about a driver's license Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. fighting a ticket. That's been me. Yep. (laughs) So it makes a difference that you know I, I I feel like I'm actually treating people the way that they are supposed to be treated and it's still fair you know it's not just one-sided uh so you are up for re-election 2022 right yes okay yes. so uh you guys y'all need to follow tell, tell the folks where they can follow you too okay well first let me just say um, um I would like to let everybody know that our court is open to the public first off mm-hmm. I there is nothing like first-hand experience, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to come and observe court, whether it is eviction court, small claims court, driver's license hearing, um, citations, anything like that, you are more than welcome to come in and observe. And you can see how each and every case is handled and how each and every case is handled differently. There is no cookie-cutter way of handling any case. Um So that's number one. And we're at 823 North Galloway in Mesquite. And I welcome anybody to come out. And I even, you know, if you just want to come out and say hello to me, you can do that. You know, I I welcome that because I didn't get a chance to meet each and every person. Mm -hmm. I would love to. Um, But I always, um, I'm always on Facebook. (laughs) I have a personal page. And a lot of my, uh, I think a lot of my character actually comes out on my personal page, whether it's something to do with my job or just me being me. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my Facebook page. You can find me, Tina Whitfield. And I have two professional pages, Justice of the Peace. Um, Tutu is one of them. And Katina, K-A-T-I-N-A, Whitfield would be the second one, Justice of the Peace. And you can follow me there. Um, And I also have an Instagram and I really don't know how to use Instagram. <laughs> I guess you can just search my name for that one. But that all I know how to do is post pictures and maybe a joke or two. Mm-hmm. So, but you can always follow me there too. Um, so I would love to actually meet people, and I would love to answer any questions that you might have, whether it's about me or policies or anything like that. I have no problem doing that, and I welcome that. Um, and I, I would even welcome any suggestions that you have we, we're trying to, to build a better relationship with the community because that was lost a long time ago agreed. here you know agreed. Um, agreed the trust was gone the you know we want to build all of that back up and the only way we can do that is to open our doors and actually talk to people mm-hmm. and hear what you have to say I know what I have to say I know why I ran I know what changes I wanted to make you know um, I don't know what everybody else needs so yeah I you know and that's something we can collab on I love that so much I listen you have someone right now letting you know um I will be campaigning for you 2022 um so as soon as you start rolling out all them flyers and you need folks (laughs) in my doors I'm not even playing I am so Uh there. I'm telling all my friends and family, 2022, we got to reelect because this is the type of equity and justice that I want to see in the courts where I live. Um, Exactly. Thank you. And so I just appreciate you. Um, Thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for taking this time out, (laughs) carving this time (laughs) out that I could like interview you and talk to you. Um, because I, I don't think, you know, how many people absolutely look up to you, including myself. 
um, oh, for all things that are thank good. Thank you. And you're hilarious on Facebook. So, I mean, come on now. Like, it's like a whole, I'm like, this woman is the whole package and I love her. Like, cause oh, I be dying on your page. You. So, thank um, you. Thank you. Thank you. But I do appreciate it. Um, y'all already know each one teach one. You need to get your folks out to the polls. Yep. It is time, y'all. Time like the clock is ticking. We got until what yep. November second? Is that correct? The November third? Is that November right? 3rd. November third. November yes. third. Um, y'all, I'm not even playing. I took off November fourth from work because I, I need to wait for them uh, results to come in and I need to be able to process them however I need to. So yes. So <laughs> I'm just letting y'all know. Um, but I appreciate you. This has been another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. Y'all already know. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Black Joy and Bootstraps. Follow me on Twitter um, at BLK Joy and Boots. BLK Joy and Boots. I appreciate you. And until next time. <laughs>